Happy holidays, everybody. From me, Brian McWilliams at Electric Liberty Land. And speaking of the holidays, I want you to check out one of our top sponsors, Ammo.com. Not only for gifts for loved ones, because, hey, everybody needs ammo, even your Aunt Nellie. But also, who knows if that's Santa up on the roof with those reindeer? Who knows if that's him or a burglar? Private property rights, protect those, man. Ammo.com. Not only are these guys fantastic libertarians, and you will note that if you go to their website, you're going to see a lot of articles, libertarian-themed charities, everything, because that's why these guys came to us. We didn't come to them. They came to us because they are libertarians. They wanted to support a show that has their values in mind, and thus, here we are. And by the way, if you go spend $200 or more at Amazon.com, you will get $20 off and, extra bonus, 1% of your sale. And that's the whole thing, not just the net revenue. 1% of the sale goes to a libertarian charity of your picking. They've got a bunch of them listed on the website, so you can pick and choose which ones you want to support. Visit ammo.com forward slash Lions of Liberty. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome, everybody, to Electric Liberty Land, episode number 103. And uh, you may be able to tell my voice is still not all the way back. I uh, swear to God, man, it's just back and forth. You know, it's like I lost my voice. Then I kind of got it back in the middle of having a cold. And then this past weekend, I lost it again. And uh, (laughs) despite drinking all of the lemon and honey I have been able to put in my body, it's just still not there. So we're going to see how far we get in. And I'll try to do as much much uh, yelling and rambling as possible, considering my uh, circumstances here. Of course, it doesn't help. I've had to talk a lot for work as well, so just haven't had time to heal my vocal cords properly. But I think a lot of you like this this sexy Wolfman Jack kind of voice that I've got going anyway. Uh, by the way, guys, I want to tell you about a special holiday promo that we're going to be rolling out. If uh, you sign up now for $5, you get a koozie, Lions of Liberty koozie in the shop. For $10 or more, we will make sure you get one of the brand new Lions of Liberty pom-pom hats, which are uh, pretty rad. I'm going <laughs> to get myself one of those because, you know, this it's hard to beat a pom-pom hat. Even here in L.A., man, got to wear that pom-pom hat. Say what's up to all the people. Hey, check this out, baby. You know how confident I am in myself as a person and in my political opinions? Confident enough to put a damn pom-pom on my head, brother. <laughs> For $15, you'll get one of the new hoodies that we have in the shop, $15 a month. And you get all of that if you sign up for $25 a month in addition to all of the normal perks. So you guys can check that out by going to Lions of Liberty's Patreon account, which is just patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty. Okay, let's get into the show, shall we? Maybe we'll wade in with a little Rand Paul first and foremost, because you know, I've been reading a lot of the news cycle stuff about Flynn and how they, uh, now he's going to get delayed sentencing, but his judge said that he thought he was a traitor. And meanwhile, there's no evidence that Flynn is a traitor. The guy's done nothing. You know, even this hoopla saying he contacted these Russians before he was in office and that makes, it makes him a foreign agent and all this other BS. This is stuff that people have done for other people that are on. If you're expected to enter into the presidency, you have people that reach out in advance of that to try to set things in motion so that 
day number one, when you take office in November, or not in November, when you take office uh, as the uh, president's term expires, you're not just jumping into a bath of cold water and trying to figure out how to swim. You know, it's like if your boat goes down in the middle of the ocean, all right, now swim to shore. No, you prep that shit ahead of time. So of course this guy's going to do outreach. And it's the same thing, just like with Trump's campaign financing and what they're trying to get, you know, they got Cohen on paying off this campaign finance and saying that Trump's, you know, they, they use campaign funds and now it's violation of campaign finance law. Again, give me a break. Every other candidate that has won or has run has done this exact same thing. It's a vague law. You could basically decide to prosecute or not, depending on which way the winds are blowing and who uh, tends to be the ones that are looking to prosecute at the time. Obama had millions of dollars of campaign violations, a fact which you can look up uh, very, very easily. And God knows what would have happened with Hillary Clinton. Right now, they're doing ongoing investigations, including the FBI, into the Clinton Foundation. Meanwhile, I'm also seeing that Donald Trump's foundation might be closing its doors because of an investigation that is going on in New York City uh, or New York State, which I'm surprised is not getting a lot more media coverage considering how much the media hate Donald Trump. Um, this is all initial, but I, from what I've read, they're going to shut it down because there's massive violations that are uh, illegal as far as the way that they've been paying it out. Basically, Donald Trump using it as a slush fund uh, in a ways to pay out uh, his other bills, his other businesses. So that seems to be something which would be much more applicable if you're actually trying to bust the guy for something. But long story short, I don't know what deals they're working out. What I'm reading is that the Trump Foundation is going to dissolve, though, and uh, Donald Trump, Eric Trump Jr., and Ivanka are all going to be banned from serving on any charitable boards, which is uh, pretty interesting. Anyway, we haven't seen that happen with the Clinton Foundation just yet, but it's exciting to watch as these investigators, there was an independent auditing agency which did its own investigation into the Clinton Foundation, finding unbelievable violations, and basically said straight up, this was an illegal operation designed to further the Clintons' personal finances, had almost nothing to do with doing charitable works. And as I said last episode, we see that in the 90% drop in donations that happened when Hillary Clinton no longer had any shot at actually becoming president. So, interesting stuff. Anyway, getting back to Flynn, I just, you know, <laughs> there's just not a lot of there there. The guy seems like one of the few people that actually would say how it was in the Middle East, how the U.S. was simply seeking to overthrow these countries. You know, he's one that famously said, if, you, you know, if your military is, uh, is the hammer and all you have is a hammer, then every problem looks like a nail. And also detailed how he had seen plans where they wanted to overthrow some five or seven countries in seven years, something like that. The guy actually is saying how ridiculous it was to see a plan for the Iraq war put in place immediately after 9-11. And Donald Trump liked them because of that. Donald Trump ran on a platform of not going into other countries, not empire building, not overthrowing their dictatorships, not getting as deeper involved in the Middle East and throwing bad money after, well, after more bad money. So what, what's happening to Flynn is just, it's sad to see. It certainly looks like uh, he's being taken out for just petty garbage. And I sincerely hope that he serves absolutely no jail time and, uh, I mean, look, if Petraeus, who was confirmed having violated any number of laws, telling his, his uh, sex partner at the time 
any number of government secrets. He did no jail time. I don't see how the hell you can say that Flynn should do jail time for having done basically what every other person in his position would have done for any other candidate going into the election or going into the presidency. It's just absurd. Ah, but getting back to, uh, to Trump's disposition against going into foreign nations. Now, we just saw something that was fairly surprising, considering the fact that the Senate did, in fact, keep their power as far as GOP leadership. But Rand Paul uh, has been on record fighting to revoke the ability for the United States to go and help the Saudi Arabians wage war. And he had just said how amazing it was and how it was an extraordinary moment when the U.S. Senate this past Thursday passed a resolution to invoke the War Powers Act. And the War Powers Act stems from the Vietnam War, wherein Congress wanted to make sure that Nixon couldn't keep pushing the Vietnam War forward, so they wanted to fight back and be able to rein that back in. And this passed the Senate, despite the fact, like I said, that GOP could, could still control it, which is pretty impressive when you think about it. And of course, Mike Lee was involved. Rand Paul was leading the charge. You've got Bernie Sanders on there, who is still... Um, anti-war as far until he let's see if he ever becomes president if he's still anti-war but that was pretty huge to see and trump is expected to veto this which would be disappointing i don't know if that is more to do with trump's excuse me disposition towards saudi arabia or simply his disposition as a whole as a person or his ego would not allow him to to permit such a uh, a direct attack on his authority. Respect my authority. But he's expected to veto it. And regardless, we'll see how it works out because the House would probably still not go through with this motion to invoke the War Powers Act as is. Rand Paul is saying that in January, that might hold a little different tune. And... I wouldn't be surprised if it did, despite the fact that Democrats have basically abandoned their principles as the party, the quote-unquote party that is against war, when they have an opportunity to bring this stinging rebuke to Trump and rein in his powers, I would seriously be surprised if they didn't jump at that opportunity and then crow about it, despite the fact that the GOP, or I would say the conservative-led Senate, had already gotten the wheels going for this uh, removal of Trump's ability to continue funding the Saudi Arabians and their ongoing genocide. Yep. Oh, all right. Speaking of that, already my voice. Oh. Speaking of that, that concept of the anti-war Democrats or just the amount of attention this is getting right now, because we're seeing this ramp up, but it didn't ramp up as it needed to. It didn't ramp up in the wake of all these children being killed and dying because of cholera. Or it didn't come out... And despite these reports of 60 people getting bombed and murdered every other day, buses being blown up and hospitals being bombed by these Saudis, just despicable acts of cowardice, of aggression against the people that are barely armed and barely able to even survive because of the limited food and access to clean water and medical supplies that they have. But we're seeing this all come about because of what? Because of that guy, Shogi. I don't know, I'm saying his name wrong as usual. But that's what's stunning about this is any number of reports about casualties that came out of Yemen had absolutely no bearing on Congress's decision to act, on uh, any sort of media reactions to this. This is all spurned by one journalist being murdered by the Saudi Arabian government. And I mean, look, that's a bad thing, but that's what it takes 
I mean, this is going to sound like a horrible thing to say, but if that's what it takes, then I'd like to see a lot more governments around the world start murdering journalists. If that's going to end a lot of these illegal wars that are going on, then give me a murdered journalist in Somalia. Give me a murdered journalist in Syria. Give me a murdered journalist in Afghanistan, in Iraq. Give me a murdered journalist over in the, the UAE. I'll take one of those. Uh, how about in Israel? Can we get some journalists murdered in Israel, please? So we can finally stop funding wars and stop funding allies, which continue to perpetrate horrible, horrible atrocities upon populations that have nothing to do with American interests, have zero relation to American culture or prospects other than wanting to kill American culture because you've been over there fucking with their shit for about 60 years. So, you know, I know that sounds horrible, but if that's the trade-off that needs to be made to get these people to act, to get the, the War Powers Act invoked once again, to rein in the power of the president, to rein in this out-of-control military budget that we have, then please... Kidnap me some journalists, chop them up, and then cover it up so that we can uncover it and start banning this type of action and start getting sanity back in regards to how the military is used in this country. Speaking of more insanity, the farm bill was just passed, went through the House, went through the Senate, now is sitting on Donald Trump's desk. And, I mean, I'm sure he'll sign it. There's no reason not to. He's not a guy that's going to rock the boat in regards to a bipartisan issue. And, of course, these people can all get behind giving farmers massive amounts of subsidy money uh, for no goddamn good reason. Uh, I'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. But first, I do want to acknowledge the one good thing about the Farm Bill, and that is that they've decided to legalize hemp and legalize this production, which does not mean that you can go out and start planting hemp in your backyard right now, because even though it's legal, they still have to figure out, oh, how are we going to control it? What are what are the regulations around hemp production going to be? And all sorts of other douchebaggy crap that really shouldn't be in place. But what do you expect? It's the government. Now, in regards to hemp, I was trying to figure out what impact this is actually going to have on the economy, if there's any projections as far as the industry, how many millions or billions of dollars, uh, how many jobs they think it's going to create. I came back with a big, big sack of jack shit. Uh, I think it's just too soon. People don't have any projections, at least not that I could find immediately. And who knows, they're always wrong anyhow. But it is just absolutely absurd that this thing has been on this controlled substances list for so long. I mean, right up there with like heroin. Like if you had just hemp in your trunk, you could go to jail for a very long time, despite the fact that it has no uh, none of the effects that a marijuana-infused strain has. It doesn't have any of the THC in it. But God knows, man, the government operates however it's going to operate. They were trying to ban Kratom, for Christ's sakes. And I think maybe they still are trying to be uncreative. But which is, of course, a, uh, a reactive substance which helps with pain uh, treatments, uh, helps with people with sleep disorders, etc. Helps people get off opiates. And it's something I actually tried before, Kratom. So if you can still get your hands on it, give it a go. It's, uh, to me, anyway, was very beneficial when I was trying to deal with some of my back problems before I had uh, surgery. But anyway... So good on you for legalizing help, hemp out there, guys. But the thing that really aggravates me, well, two things. Number one, they re removed all the requirements for any sort of work to get food stamps. Some people might argue that it was unfair to place these, these demands on people. Why should they have to work? Who knows their circumstances? I, for one, say, if you're getting free shit, you should have to do something for that free shit. 
And I think that asking people to put in 10 or 15 hours of work a, a week to prove that you're actually trying to do something rather than just sitting around and living for free off the government dole isn't unreasonable. If anything, it would help the local economy, helps you, helps your community. So what's bad about it? Now, I'm not in favor of government forcing people to do anything as a whole, as infringing on people's liberty. But again, if you're getting free food and free cash from the government, well, sorry, if they ask you to do a little work for it, just like any other job, you want to get your payment, you got to do the work. So I'm kind of fucking pissed off that they took that that requirement out, um, which is food stamp program is now called the Sublimium, something like uh, Substantive Nutrition Assistant Program because calling things food stamps, well, we couldn't have that anymore because that made people feel bad about themselves. Never mind that, in truth, I wouldn't mind it if people felt a little bit bad about themselves for having been on food stamps and having that association because I would hope that that would actually encourage them to try to get off of food stamps faster. But, you know, can't offend anybody these days. Now then, that was one aspect of it. Um, the other aspect of it was that these farm subsidies, which they were trying to rein in, and Chuck Grassley had tried to put a cap on the amount of money that farm subs or farmers could get paid, which he was trying to put the cap at something like $750,000 household income a year, which you know is a lot. So he was trying to cap it at that. Meanwhile, the farm bill got passed, so I believe a cap limit of $900,000 a year, and they can still get subsidies. So you've got people making something like 10 times the annual mean household, household income compared to people all across the country. And these assholes are still getting money from the government because we can't have the costs of farmers' products dipping below a certain point, right? I mean, that's where these things come into play, These all these subsidies in the first place, is that... The farmers union get together. They're saying, oh, well, the, the price of our crops is dropping too low. And the people that are in the agriculture department, they say, well, we got to, you know, these, these poor farmers, their, their crop prices are dropping down. We don't, wanna, we don't want them to go out of business. I mean, we have to keep propping up these prices. So we're going to pay them not to grow anything. And that is literally what they do. They give them funds. They give, they give them money. They give them funds to not grow products, to keep the artificially price of vegetables where it is or whatever kind of, you know, soy, whatever they're growing. Meanwhile, just the concept of that at a base level is so idiotic. I mean, talk about this. It's the same as, as putting a tariff on something from another country. It's simply putting a tariff on our own products to our own people. You know, providing these ridiculous subsidies. Let the, let the market decide. If the cost of your product dips below the point where it's profitable, well, stop making your product or find a way to become more efficient. And what's crazy about this is that these people even know it. I mean, the farmers know it. This one investigation uh, that the Washington Post did, one of the few times I'll reference the Washington Post in a good way, they're looking into why the hell these people are getting so much money because so many of these farmers, as I mentioned, are high net worth individuals. And these high net worth individuals are getting 50% of the funds. They did, you know, breaking down the different payments out. They found that literally half the people getting paid out were making something like $450,000 a year or more. And they're still getting subsidies from the government in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. So they asked, they go, this guy asked, uh, what is, you know, what would happen if the subsidies got scaled back significantly? And he asked a guy named Bob Stallman, who was former Farm Bureau president, and was on a member, or was a member of the government commission that sought to uh, to figure that out back in 2001. And he said, within five years, you'd have a restructuring. You'd reduce your acres of heavily subsidized crops, and then the farms would just get more efficient. 
and probably they'd get larger, if anything, because you'd have people say, okay, well, I'm not getting paid to not use my cropland that, that was subsidied anymore. I got to find out what to grow instead. I got to find a lower cost product that I can make a better income off of, or I'd say lower cost for production side. Or maybe you're growing a cost of a product that you just get more at the market for. Maybe, I don't know, shit, I, maybe kale. My wife likes kale. Grow some organics. I mean, you're telling me with all this extra farmland now, you can't just grow some organic crops, label them as such non-GMO. Go for it. Go wank yourself off to that concept and sell it in some uh, some Whole Foods or sell it at the farmer's market, which, by the way, farmer's markets also got some subsidies in this new farm bill because, oh, we have to have our farmer's markets. It's not, not enough to have streets that are public, public throughways closed down at the inconvenience to me anytime I want to go somewhere on a fucking Sunday, but now we got to give money to have farmer's markets. Anyway, grow some organic products. Have a, have a product that costs more in the marketplace, yet you can make for less than what you would charge someone else. Isn't that simply how a business is supposed to operate? Not according to the government. And not only that, the worst part about this bill other than the fact that just these subsidies still exist. The worst part is that they're actually, they've expanded it. They've expanded to the point where instead of capping it at not just at the amount of money per household, but also trying to cap it so that it's just like, Hey, you and your wife, you are the farmer. You are that that's a farmer's wife. You too can have access to subsidies as a household. No, now they've actually expanded it so that even distant relatives can have access to subsidies. Like people like your nieces and your nephews and your cousins, all they have to do is fill out some paperwork. And now they are eligible to up to $125,000 every year from the government. Now, that's not saying that you're going to get that much, but shit for spending 10 minutes of time because Uncle Fuckball over there has a bunch of chickens and a bunch of asparagus in his yard and chickens that probably piss smelling like asparagus. Well, I might as well spill this paperwork out, send it to the government, see what happens. Because even though I get five, ten grand from the government, that's still pretty nice free money. I mean, it's just like that scam, you know, the old infomercial with the guy, free money from the government in the freaking, uh, what do you have, the exclamation points over suit? Why would you not do it? So, of course, you're going to have a massive amount of abuse. You're going to have a massive amount of fraud coming out of this, this expanded bullshit that they put into place. Massive amount of corporate welfare going into place with all these subsidies. And for what? Again, for what? To keep a protected class of people, these protected farmers. Oh, the good old American farmer. Put them in a Norman Rockwell painting. To keep these people in the lap of luxury when they should be forced by competition and market forces into making better products or finding better ways to make their products or simply going tits up because some other country and some other some other uh, culture has found a better, more efficient, cheaper way to do it and then ship them over to us. Because frankly, I don't feel like paying an excessive amount of money at the grocery store just to make sure Farmer Bob doesn't have to give up his farm. All right, we'll take a quick break and be back a little bit more before my voice gives out just after this. We don't rise to the level of our expectations. We fall to the level of our training. Those epic words from Archilochus can sum up your ability to succeed or fail in business. I want to recommend Conversation Mat Time to our listeners as a way to hone your one-on-one conversation skills in a role-playing session that can help take you to the next level. 
During 25-minute sessions, you'll work through the best way to approach that raise, that interview, or that relationship with a practice professional that will provide the confidence and experience you need to get paid what you're worth or take that interpersonal risk you've never been able to conquer. Just like in jiu-jitsu, the difference between a novice and a black belt is mat time. Train to win. Visit conversationmattime.com and take advantage of a free 15-minute consultation just for listeners of this show. All right, welcome back to Electric Liberty Land, episode number 103. I forgot to mention at the top of the show, you can find all the show notes, links to the stories that I've talked about today at lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL 103. All right, now that I know a lot of you have seen the, uh, the article written talking about California wanting to put a tax on text messages. <laughs> One of the most despicable actions I think it's ever, I've ever seen a government suggest and this would, of course, be levied on the uh, the people that were running the phone programs. It wouldn't be like you get a per tax or per text tax uh, bill in the mail and they track each one of your texts. Although we already know they are tracking our texts, so it's not like it would be that hard for them to pull something like that off. But no, we're talking about be levied on the uh, producers would be get, you know sent to the sprints and the Verizons of the world. But the good news is that this idiotic money grab has been vetoed by the FCC, which came in, slapped California right in the face and said, yeah, yeah for you. And the basic point that they were making was that California was using a uh, kind of a workaround to tax these test messages by calling it a telecommunications, basically uh, an extension of phone service rather than being pure data, which is what a text message is. And, the SEC here said, no, this is a data service. This should not be taxed under the telecommunications law. Now, the thing about this is, you know, obviously this is a victory for those of us who can't stand government overreach and hate taxation in general, as it is in fact theft. But it does show you just how desperate governments are, especially California, which, which I was told, I wasn't told personally, I've read that California actually, for the first time in a very long time, finished with a budget surplus. So the question is, why the hell are they now looking to levy these new taxes? And they say it's because they want to use those taxes to fund programs that are for underprivileged individuals and people in rural communities who don't have access to, I guess, I don't know, high-speed internet. Now, I'm sorry, but high-speed internet is not something that should be considered a necessity in this day and age. I know that you like it, but it's not a necessity. Streaming Netflix is not a necessity. Getting your bread, your, your porn to loan quickly is not a necessity in life. And I don't care if you're underprivileged and can't afford broadband. That's not a right. Nowhere in any constitution, nowhere in any founding document does it say that having even a fucking phone is a right. And personally, I find it ridiculous that government thinks that it should be able to come over, hold you up, hold you hostage and demand that you pay money in order to make sure that someone else has access to broadband internet in a rural area. Shouldn't there be some sort of private institution that might be able to take care of that or shouldn't be, or, or look, if it's not cost effective, then sorry, number one, you can choose not to live there. Number two, you can deal without it, which you already have been doing. Number three, you can petition to have some charity come and help you out. I mean, hell, 
Our boy uh, Greg Glyer of a donor see he's helping these, these people over in Somalia and other countries build wells in their uh, neighborhoods. You know, things that actually do need to live, to, to live, that you do need to live and survive. Meanwhile, hey, maybe there's a Greg Glyer somewhere around that would help this rural community get the broadband service that they deserve. Because God knows that's what should be top of the list of things that Californians care about and give our tax donations to, right? And of course, donations, I put in big quote marks. I mean, it's just, California just can't, can't help itself. Like, it just cannot help itself from taking your money, from just looking for new and adventurous ways to steal from the population. I mean, they view themselves as this kind of Robin Hoods, but the things that they use them for are always so misappropriated and so completely diverted into things that have nothing to do with the original stated purpose. I mean, again, this goddamn gas tax that was put into place before it had a, a, they did at least Californians voted to keep the gas tax because they were idiots, self-hating idiots, but at least the measure passed to make sure that the money was spent on roads because the initial gas tax was put through had absolutely no stipulation that it be used for the roads, which is the whole point of it in the first place was to get California's infrastructure, get California's roads back in good shape because our roads here are absolutely atrocious and they take 10 years to fucking build them because it's all union assholes who aren't doing any work. They're working in shifts of two, two men at 10 hours. I don't even know every four weeks from what I can tell by looking at the, uh, just driving by driving down the freeway. Meanwhile, if you had a private company, they'd be able to get that done in probably about two days to do an entire stretch of road because they just be able to dedicate the manpower to it. Say, okay, here's the budget. Here's the time frame. We're going to stick to it. Boom, go. Rather than have unions or cronious bullshit happening all the time where it takes 50 years to build something as simple as just adding a lane to a highway that's 10 miles long. Anyway, at least the gas money and this gas tax is now going to what it's intended to. Because before, all this money was diverted into what? Ah, you guessed it. Yes, a general slush fund, which of course was used to pay things like pensions and anything else they wanted to just push down the road a little bit. So anyway, exceptionally, exceptionally excited that the FCC has struck this down with my sincere apologies to the poor of California who will no longer be able to get subsidized to have cell phones that enable them to text message Uh, because that was another big push by the way to make sure that poor people were able to send text messages because you know vital anyway moving on let's talk a little bit about a man suing the federal government he was being detained because he decided not to unlock his phone at the airport this is a man who was southern california resident I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name, so you can go to the show notes for that. Uh, we'll call him, I'll call him H-E for short. Those are his initials, uh, as per this Ars Technica story. But anyway, he is a uh, Southern California resident. He arrived at LAX, our local airport here, in February, and he was headed to Saudi Arabia to go on a Hajj, the Muslim religious pilgrimage. So, guy gets to the security air, uh, checkpoint, and... Despite being an American citizen, he's pulled aside from a Turkish Airlines boarding line by a customs and uh, border protection officer, CBP officer, started to ask him about how much cash he was carrying, where he was going, all this other stuff. So the guy says, all right, I'll come over here, not thinking it's a big deal. You know, again, American citizen, he's flying out of the United States to, to, uh, to go to Saudi Arabia. He has no, 
you know, personal uh, background, never been arrested, shouldn't be on any watch list. So they keep questioning this guy, you know, basically asking him all these really probing questions and telling him that he's hiding something because the guy had the gall to ask for an attorney, you know, because he's being questioned over and over and over again. They go through all his stuff. They find his phone. And he says, hey, unlock your phone. I want to look through it. And this man, just as I would do, says, hell no, not unlocking my phone. And regardless of whether or not you're a terrorist trying to protect your secret terrorist plans, which I doubt this man is, any number of privacy violations can occur by simply unlocking your phone and handing it to another person. I mean, just think about private pictures you might have on there from your wife, from your loved one, from your, uh, from your gay lover, whoever it might be. I don't know what you're into, man. Maybe it's just dirty, filthy porn you don't want him to see on there. It's a privacy violation. And on top of that, let's say they start going through your emails. What if he sees some sensitive information? What if he sees some private SEC filings? What if he sees something that violates a, a non-disclosure agreement and now you're legally on the hook for something? Either way, you should not be forced to unlock your phone. So this man says, no, I'm not going to unlock my phone. Ask the people, hey, am I being detained because I want to have a lawyer here? And these people then, in response to this, carry him, take him up forcibly up to a new, new position, take him upstairs to another level of the building, have him talk to a second security officer. This man's yelling, hey, someone help me, call a lawyer. They said I'm not under arrest even though I'm handcuffed and they're taking me somewhere I don't know. They will not give me a lawyer. At that point, this officer named Rodriguez pushed his arms up to his neck because he had his arms handcuffed and he was giving him basically so much pressure on his arms that he thought his arms were going to break. So he's intentionally trying to put this man into a torturous amount of pain to get him to comply with these orders, despite the fact that this man still has done nothing wrong. They have no proof, they have no proof or evidence that he has anything to do with any terrorist act, that he has anything to do with anything illegal in any way, shape, or form, which is kind of what you'd expect if you were doing a, uh, a search and seizure of someone's assets, which is what this is. And border agents under the Obama administration, thanks fucking Obama, and I'm excited to see somebody actually suing the federal government saying this is unreasonable, unreasonable search and seizure. I mean, you have to have a warrant to come into someone's home. You have to have a warrant to get somebody's laptop unlocked. If you, you can't just come into their home, kick in the door and take their shit for no reason and then crack it open. No, you have to have a warrant. You have to have some reasonable uh, suspicion and you have to have evidence to back that up. None of this is happening at the border every single day. So I want to see how this can possibly be constitutional. Because it seems to me that there's no fucking way that it can possibly hold up under any level of scrutiny. So God bless you, man. I'm sorry this man had to go through it. I'm not going to say like, the, uh, like with the journalists that everybody should have to go through it. More people getting detained and beaten at airports. Uh, not saying anything like that. But, you know, I'm really just, I, I'm, I'm pumped to see where this goes. I hope this man gets justice. I hope that we all get justice. I hope that the border agents get reined in on what they can and can't do in regards to your personal property and your phone. Because I don't think they should be able to open jack shit without having very good reasoning first and having to get some sort of a warrant. I mean, hell, I don't know what other powers you have to detain somebody for a certain amount of time. I mean, cops already have that. So I suppose they could do it. Oh, by the way, this guy eventually did give his phone over because he was scared. They wouldn't allow him a lawyer. They were detaining him. He didn't want to get hurt anymore. So he lets them go through the phone. They didn't find anything. <laughs> they looked through his phone for 15 minutes, found nothing. So, man... Let's go, dude. Win that lawsuit. Bring this shit to Congress. I want to see some action taken. I want to see some repeals made for this ridiculous mandate that allows these, these border cops to have the authority to violate everyone's privacy. It's one of those things that just opens up all the other things. Kind of like the Mueller investigation. 
You know, they ask to go through your phone, you hand it over, and any number of things pop up that they find now. Who knows? Has nothing to do with any sort of immigration issue, but now you're on the hook for fraud. <laughs> God knows what they can find, man. Oh, God, I tell you guys, I am really off my game today. Like, you know, I have one of those days where you just can't, like, I can't think. I've been recording this podcast for like an hour and a half. My voice is just dying on me, but I keep, <laughs> I keep talking and hitting a wall where I cannot think of a word, where I just can't seem to get my thoughts pieced together. I don't know if you guys ever had that experience, but man, it sucks. All right. I'm going to cut this short here. Cause like I said, I can't, I just can't uh, think anymore and I just can't deal with my own ineptitude <laughs> trying to get my brain to work. So let's talk about one final story, which is uh, thank God going to make me feel a little bit better about myself today. And I do apologize for this episode guys. I always, I always feel bad when I just have, I'm not on my game. Anyway, at least I'm not as bad as Elizabeth Warren, though, right? Who unveiled a bill on Tuesday, which she says is aimed at lowering drug prices by, get this, allowing the government to step in and manufacture certain drugs that lack competition. The stupidest idea I have ever, ever heard of. Ever fucking heard of. Now, maybe this is because I've done public relations for companies that work with the drug industries, and I know how much time, how much money goes into R&D, setting up a manufacturing line, testing all those products, and getting them through the nightmare operation that is the time and expense of the F FDA. Now, granted, the government wouldn't have to pay the expense as far as the fees of going through the FDA, but the amount of time. So you're telling me that the government's somehow going to do this better than people within the pharmaceutical community? And you don't think that there's a reason that there might not be competition for a product? Well, that, that there's only going to be so many reasons for that. Number one, they'd either got a patent, so the government would have to violate their patent, which seems like it would be highly illegal. And, I, and I'm not getting into a whole thing about whether or not patents should even exist yet, but we're just, we're just moving on. Or number two, if there's not a patent, the government would have to essentially create this entire new manufacturing line. It would have to hire an entire staff, get an entire scientific community on board to make sure the drug was, was uh, safe and secure and testable, go through years of testing and development to get it in place, and then finally roll it out to the public. And you'd have to have supply lines in place through that. I guess you could say FEMA could do it because we all know how, how well FEMA's done it before, just rolling out things like, you know, bottles of water. But let's trust them to roll out a whole new brand of drug because the government feels like it needs more competition. Meanwhile, we know for a fact that the government will not be able to produce this product at a lower cost than pharmaceuticals. Now, they might be able to charge a lower cost because of the markup that these companies put on it. But I highly doubt that the actual production run-up is going to be more streamlined. <laughs> What in any what in any history of government have we seen where that is the case? I mean, this is just, it's so stupid. And of course, it's going to create a new office in the Department of Health and Human Services that can that is empowered to manufacture these generic drugs and sell them at fair prices. So the question arises then, so this committee decides what drugs those are, right? They're going to pick and choose which drugs they feel are, uh, are not quite, quote, fair enough in the marketplace. They're going to choose which ones need to have competition. I mean, talk about the government picking and choosing winners and losers. So the government now is going to pick certain pharma companies to completely undercut them. 
I mean, essentially, if you're taking this approach, you are essentially nationalizing whatever that company manufactures. Because if you do succeed and you are able to, quote, put this on the market at a fair price, well, you're going to be completely undercutting that company and making it into a, an enterprise that's no longer profitable because the government has taken all of the air out of that balloon. You are creating a market and then you're undercutting that market. It is just unbelievably stupid and would be so unbelievably expensive to do that I'm shocked that somebody could be this stupid. I mean, holy shit. Now, Bernie Sanders put forth a bill to strip people of their monopolies if the prices are deemed too expensive, which again is a stupid idea because anything that had any sort of monopoly legislation any sort of anti-trust legislation has always failed because by the time it gets pushed through, there is a competitor on the market that's better anyway. The reason these companies have monopolies, again, is two reasons. Number one, they either have a patent, so they have a couple of years to get that patent because of all the money they put in on the front side in R&D. Or number two, they have that monopoly because they've successfully had cronious, cap, excuse me, uh, corporate cronyism put in place because the lobbyists have gotten to people within the Senate or gotten to people in the FDA and made it so that it's harder for anybody else to bring a competing drug to market. EpiPen is the best example you will ever see of this. It took something like six years for a viable competitor to EpiPen to come to market. Not because they didn't exist, not because EpiPen had a patent that couldn't be violated, but because EpiPen was so successful at lobbying to change the, change the regulations and change the restrictions and change the different things that competitors had to do to get into the market, they were able to get people either pushed out because they ran out of money before the fucking FDA would actually approve the product because of all these changes and new, new uh, hoops that they had to jump through. Or number two, they pushed it back far enough where they said, all right, well, we're going we're gonna to see it out, but by the time we come to market with it, it's going to be six years old which is what's happened. There's finally a new technology that rivals EpiPen on the market. It could have been on the market 10 years ago. But thanks to cronious government institutions like the FDA, like Congress, this is the problem that we have. And now we've got another moron stepping into the breach to make things infinitely worse by trying to suggest that government should get into manufacturing. I mean, is this not socialism taking form? I know Warren probably is a big fan of socialism in general, but this is what you call it when government starts to own the means of production. And we are talking about government taking over the means of production for the pharmaceutical industry. This is fucking socialism. This is, as I said before, the nationalization of sectors of the pharmaceutical industry. You are not directly taking them over a la Venezuela by taking over oil plants, but you certainly are if you're trying to create manufacturing competitors to existing free market private businesses in that sector and trying to undercut their entire market share by creating a government alternative. You're pushing them out of the market. You are nationalizing that industry. So fuck this idea. Fuck Elizabeth Warren. And I hope that Pocahontas moron gets nowhere even close to being a president, let alone, I just hope she doesn't even get reelected. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Man, yeah, actually, you know what? I kind of hope she does run for president just because it'll be really funny to see Trump just destroy her. And not to mention Trump, but hey, maybe we'll have a viable libertarian candidate in 2020 or just any independent, economically uh, sentient person who believes in free markets believes in private property rights, and actually has the wherewithal to be able to take down bad ideas 
in a way that is easily understandable. And, you know, there seems to be no shortage of bad ideas that are easy to take down, and you can even have some fun with it. Okay, that's it for me. I'm going to, uh, God, I swear to God, I think my voice will be better. I'm finally going to have a rest from things in which I have to yell at, uh, yell at and yell for, and uh, from parties and from work meetings and from everything else that I've had to do. So I believe my voice will be back to full strength for uh, this upcoming episode, which uh, Odie and I are going to be recording. John Odermatt from Philly Fridays. We are going to be doing some shows where we will be teaming up on each other's podcasts for the uh, the Christmas week shows so we can have a little fun with those. And uh, and then we'll be back in the new year with all the sweet content you guys have come to, to enjoy. So from me and my rotten brain and terrible voice, I will sign off. Thank you. For me, Brian McWilliams. Don't forget to listen to Mark Claire on Mondays with his in-depth interviews with leaders of the libertarian movement. Also, make sure to listen to John Odie Odermatt on Friday with Felony Fridays when he looks at the deep-seated issues with our broken criminal justice system. Okay, that's it. From me, Brian McWilliams, from the Lions of Liberty, from Electric Liberty Land, always stay plugged in to Liberty. Liberty.